Hello and welcome to Game and Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we have a topic episode for you guys, um, something that we've been talking about doing for a while, something that's been on our backlog, you might say. Uh-huh. Uh, um, what are we doing today? We're going to talk a little bit about gaming psychology. Uh, in yes. particular, we will highlight, and this is kind of like an amorphous episode in a way, we're going to try to highlight completionism and gaming backlogs. Two things that I know plague us and many other people I know our own age. I, uh, we did I not interview anyone of uh, other generations <laughs> to discuss this. This is not a multi-generational episode like no. you guys have been clamoring for, but yeah, we've been clamoring for it. Um, yes. but we did we didn't we we're too lazy to interview anyone or really do more than about 30 minutes of prep. Uh, but I think it's it's good prep. Also, uh, may I just say you said this episode was gonna be slightly amorphous. I thought you were going to say this episode was going to be slightly amoral. Oh, no, no, <laughs> not amoral, not amoral. Um, but yeah, we are we're coming back from a bit of a break. Uh, to, uh, you know, the two people, maybe I'm being generous to the one person that follows us. Uh, there was no episode last week because I got COVID. Yeah. And uh, uh, we're going to come back with again. a. Yeah, it is. It's very much going around again. I know a lot of people are getting it. Um, we were going to do a particular movie. We were going to save that for next week. And so we're hitting you with this special episode that we hope will connect with some people, because I think that these are things that we all deal with as gamers. This is not a like a an AA meeting for gamers necessarily, but it could be. It could be. <laughs> we hope that you find some comfort in knowing that you are not alone um, yes, in exactly. the things that plague you. And this is we're not going to try to turn this into like a what? I don't know. Forty five minute bitch session. <laughs> Um, but there, no. these are, there's, there's a little bit of negative energy to some of these things, but I think it's, it's fun to talk about. I think with, um, with a topic like this, that kind of delves into our own personal psychologies. It's not that we're going to get negative. I think we're just going to ask both ourselves and each other a lot of like, why, like, yeah. well, why do you do that? Why do you do this? You know, right. one thing, not the other. Yeah. Um, without being negative, just kind of inquisitive. Well, I mean, to that point, I mean, our, the really, the first question I think we need to pose here. And this is a this is a question that in itself probably could warrant an entire string of episodes. So we're we're gonna try to answer this question as relevantly to completionism and backlogging as we possibly can. Um, but what? Why do you pick games that you want to play over another? And I and I'm saying you as in you, Aaron, but also me as myself. You know the royal you. Um, <laughs> what, what, nowadays and kind of in general, like why do we pick one games to play over another? And for me, I think that goes there. There's certainly a pickiness that I have and I've developed. And it's interesting that the like how those things have changed over time. And that's maybe the thing that I don't want to necessarily go into because that's a very slippery slope to a much longer episode. My gaming tastes have definitely evolved over time. But nowadays, busy as we are, game length and gameplay drive a lot of my decision making and sometimes i would be in a mood for a very uh, for a a game with gameplay that is vastly distinct from games that i'm in the mood for in other times and it's i find that that contrast to be very weird interesting um i I can give you an example it's like sometimes i want to play a roguelike game with basically no story that is just gameplay focused. It might have great style, great music. And even if it doesn't have great music, it could just have like a very addictive kind of like pick up and play, put it down. Even though you might pick it up for hours at a time because you're addicted to it, but like it has a, an ability to let you disconnect and there's less pressure associated with it. I find there to be a lot of pressure with long story driven games, no matter how exciting or not exciting the, the gameplay is. And at other times, I am okay with not very dynamic gameplay, with just repetitive, almost meditative, um, if you're looking at it positively, kinds of gameplay. Uh, and this is coming from a guy who's currently playing Final Fantasy V, a uh, very famous JRPG that is very grindy and repetitive and probably a little med- meditative. Very meditative. And, I, and, and it's funny because there are when I first picked up, 
I'll just say like during COVID, I went ham on the Final Fantasy series because I didn't really have much to do. And I found like when I first started Final Fantasy 2, for instance, something I finished over COVID, I, I started it and I was like, I am not in the mood for turn-based combat right now. I'm just not. I, I couldn't have been less in the mood for it. I shouldn't have started the game. And so I put it down. I like I play, like, played for like 20 minutes and I put it down. And then I picked it up during COVID and I was like, this is completely what I need right now. It's calming. I can kind of get lost in it. Time flies. You know, it kills time. It you was, don't have to it be was, fully engaged into the right. story. It was wonderful. It was exactly what I needed. So, I mean, you know, so that's that's an example, right? And and I think that, you know, the, the, the idea of completionism does sometimes factor into this, but I'll leave that uh, on the side for now. What? Why do you pick certain games to play over another? Yeah, so as you were talking and mentioned, you know, gaming tastes changing over time, we will do an episode on that at some point. Yeah. Um, because I could go into that quite a bit. But I will say currently, like where I am today now, I rely a lot on gaming media to kind of shed light on games I should be paying attention to. Whereas in years past or in my younger age, I was more comfortable just kind of going to GameStop and kind of just picking up random games and looking at the box. Um, now, be just because of life and because I don't have as much time and you know money is precious, I, I don't feel like experimenting with games as much uh, like that. So most of my gaming choices come from the games that i've like consumed media about leading up to the release um and usually like big triple a titles uh nowadays so like tears of the kingdom for example um but yeah honestly so for a, a perfect example of this is like disney illusion island right which is a game that ordinarily like i wouldn't really have noticed or cared about um but it got some press and it has the disney name attached to it um and so i was reading about it i was aware of it and then when it came out it was like oh it's 40 bucks like i might as well get it um so i think uh, being kind of inundated with um information about the game or press about the game definitely is a deciding factor for me so basically i'm just a whore for popular media <laughs> do you feel a sense of like fomo around it like do you feel like everyone's playing a certain game i don't know if that really applies to disney illusion island but like tears of the kingdom for instance would you have considered delaying tears of the kingdom but for knowing that it's like the biggest nintendo release of many years and everyone's playing it that's a really good question um i think i do get fomo for big triple a titles that i'm pretty invested in like Zelda, Final Fantasy, um, kind of those big properties, mainly because I know they're going to be so kind of in the zeitgeist um, that right. spoilers are going to like, without meaning to, there's going to be like, you're going to be scrolling through IGN and there's going to be a headline three months after Tears of the Kingdom comes out that spoils something about Tears of the Kingdom that they wouldn't have published in the first week after it came out. But, you know, months later they will. Yeah. So stuff like that, like I'm, I'm worried that I will, um, get spoiled by things or I'll, I'll, you know, things will come at me like that, that I, that I would rather have experienced fresh in the game. Yeah. yeah. And when you, when you do pick a game and this kind of gets into the idea of completionism and when we say completionism, we're not just talking about beating a game to death, like getting all the achievements. I mean, that, that will be a factor, but I'm just talking about completing games period, which if you had talked to me, like, I don't know, 20 years ago, that wouldn't even be a conversation I would entertain because I just finished everything. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I that's did. that's a very similar arc. Why don't you tell me about yours a little bit? Well, well, more just like in before I do that, like when you're picking a game to play over another, are you weighing the chances that you may not finish it? Or are you assuming that you're going to finish it? And if you are going to finish it, are you expecting yourself to finish it before starting something else? Do you are you able to predict your own bad habits from like that they're they're going to happen again or do you have a sense of denial that like oh this time I'll be different I'll actually finish this one No I have full ownership over my bad habits when I buy a game like a new game that I'm interested in so let's say Tears of the Kingdom for example I went in knowing that like this is a huge game other games will probably be coming out for it I'll probably get distracted and put it down I'll come back and finish it someday but I'm not going to sit through and play Tears of the Kingdom beginning, middle, and end. And I know gotcha. that going in before I buy. 
Okay. Okay. That the tears of the kingdom question actually gets into something I want to talk about at the very end of this episode. I think maybe I'll find a better place for it, but there is a, actually, you know what, maybe, maybe now is a better time to play it to say it. And that's, it's kind of pushing the idea of completionism a little bit um, off into just, you know, we'll talk about it in a few moments, but I have something is happening to me in the last, especially in the last couple years. And I would say probably over the course of the last maybe four years, where I am, there is like a fear. It's a kind of, or it's a dread. I would call it dread. And it is a, it's like game dread where I am really dreading the release of a major title, especially one that is going to be so long and time consuming because I know I'm going to feel pressure to play it. I don't really care if like all the rest of my friends are playing it and I'm not. That affects me. I mean, it affects me a little bit. I I would be lying if I said it didn't, but it doesn't affect me nearly as much as what you described as feeling like the whole world knows what's going to happen and might post about it. And I am at times very good at um, handling uh, any kind of like addiction to Twitter or something like that. Oh, you mean X? Well, no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I've, I have had stuff spoiled for me for games, not as much as movies. Uh, and I certainly don't go looking for it. But at the same time, I'm like asking for it because I search for these things. Like I search for a lot of gaming and movie things. And I, you know, their algorithms will pump stuff at you and articles and stuff that will be like, here's some One Piece spoilers or like, which actually, fortunately, I haven't really gotten spoiled with. Um, it's just and, like, frustrating because you want to... Sorry to interrupt, but like no, you okay. wanna you wanna look up things about media that you enjoy, but there is this pressure to be like current or caught up to it because yeah. otherwise you're gonna get stuff spoiled. And that's like really shitty to me. Yeah. Um, like imagine being brand new to One Piece and like trying to look up something and like everything about One Piece is gonna be spoiled for you. Right. Exactly. And and the game dread it part of that comes from like, yeah, I don't want things spoiled for me. So I feel this immense pressure to play a game like when it soon when it comes out or even when I know I'm not going to play it right away and I'm going to put it on my backlog more on that in a bit. Like when I do play it, it's like I feel like I got to complete a game. I don't like putting games down. I hate putting games down. It's like a, a self-hatred kind of thing. I, I can't stand when I do it. There are times where I will strategically put a game down and I do am very good about coming back to it not too long after, you know, in like a month or less. But I put stuff down for years. Like I put down Final Fantasy VIII for years, like probably three years. And I picked what, it back masterpiece? up. I picked it up during COVID and I finished it. And I mean, I used a guide. I was just like, I need to finish this game. I have to. And... You know, at times I have forced myself to finish a game that maybe my heart wasn't fully in. I don't do that very often. And I really am. I'm generally good about avoiding that. And fortunately, Final Fantasy VIII is good enough where I, I wouldn't say it was a bad game. Um, usually bad games, I'll just stop. But I'm also usually very good at avoiding bad games in, entirely. But I, I, you know, games that are closer to that, like, is this a five or six out of 10? Or is it a seven out of 10? That's where sometimes I'm like, maybe I won't finish this. But I feel incredible pressure to do it. And fortunately, Final Fantasy VIII didn't fall in like the five or six territory. But I wouldn't say I loved it. I ended up liking it enough to keep me going. Um, yeah. I didn't like it when I put it to the point where I put it down and I'm very glad I picked it back up. And so I'm, I'm like that whole game dread really. Yeah. It has to do with like, I'm just afraid I'm going, I'm not going to complete something. And especially games nowadays that are so many of them are so long and open world and often very formulaic in that sense. I, I kind of like put myself psychologically in the mindset that I'm going to be in when I play those games ahead of time and in the create it kind of fosters that feeling of of dread like i i hate to say it but i was i was feeling that dread immensely with tears of the kingdom and I'm we like, had i believe talked about it a we bit did. on the podcast as well yeah there, there was such like a, a looming sense of like oh my god this game is going to consume my life and with my personality and my love for zelda like i'm going to want to play this whenever i can as soon as work is over zelda you know, and I don't I there is a time where I feel like games like that, that that was fun. And now I find it just stressful because there's too many other things to do. 
Yeah. Or too many other games to play, even if it's, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be non-gaming things, but like it takes away from maybe shorter, more curated experiences. And, that you know, I love Tears of the Kingdom, but I would be lying if I said that my enjoyment at times was a little bit hampered by a feeling of like, I kind of just want this to be done so I can move yeah. on. And sometimes that will drive people to put a game down and pick it back up. And they're very good about kind of casually playing it. I have friends, very close friends, who have been kind of casually playing, making their way through Tears of the Kingdom since it came out. And mad respect to them. I can't do that. I need to finish it. I want to finish it. I mean, now beating a game to death and doing every side quest and collecting everything, you know, I have my limits. I'm not totally insane, just kind of insane. I didn't do that in Tears of the Kingdom, but I pumped 125 hours into Tears of the Kingdom. Holy guacamole. Beat the game, beat a lot of the side quests, not nearly all of them, got every shrine, and most of the main collectibles, not obviously the Korok seeds, and I'm like, I'm good. I felt very satisfied, and I haven't had any desire to pick it up since then. Well, should we transition then into completing a game? Yeah. Um, now yeah. that we've kind of talked about picking one. Yeah, and I gave an example of like an ex- of completionism, I suppose, to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, um, so I would say, though, between the two of us, I would say that you are much, much, much more of a completionist. Absolutely. Um, so for me, I, I can talk about myself first. Um, I am not. <laughs> uh, I am not a completionist for the most part. Um, shocker to everyone who listens to this shocking to everyone also when we get to the section about backlogs you know i'll admit it here and now i have a bit of a backlog you probably have a scroll that just kind of rolls and rolls and rolls down (laughs) i have i have an flights of stairs enchanted scroll behind me that just tracks all the games i should be playing but yeah yeah um there is one franchise that i do i don't know if you consider it completionism but i uh since pokemon sun and moon i've been very good about completing the pokedex in every game um, so I would that, say that and that's is, a, it's funny it, it, just to, sorry to interrupt you but like that is a great example of like a nuance of completionism that you're fully into for a series you love and I wouldn't ever touch it no you wouldn't it's not it's not for you it's just it's not, not for it's, you. it's not for me no um I think and this will touch a bit to uh backlogging um but what makes me want to complete a game is and I'm sure this will speak to you as well. Um, but I like when there are very clear like checklists and numbers and things you can cross off and very clear concrete signs that yes. you are completing the game. Yes. Um, that not all games have. Mm-hmm. So Pokemon obviously has that because you complete the Pokedex. You either have all the Pokemon or you don't. Um, and another game that I'm playing right now that I think I will beat. Maybe not complete, but I'm thinking about completing it because it's so like charming and has me hooked is Pikmin 4. Okay. Um, what has me wanting to maybe complete Pikmin 4 is that the game is very straightforward and tells you like, hey, in this level, you are 36% done. You found, you know, nine out of 36 treasures. You found X, Y, and Z. It tells you exactly how many you need to find, how many you have left. Like it's all very clearly articulated and spelled out in a very concrete way, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. Other games, like for example, a game that a lot of people try to complete but maybe can't is like, let's say Fallout 4, right? Fallout 4, a huge game. Yeah. Lots of people try to complete that, they can't do it. I will never complete Fallout 4 because, yes, you get quests and they show up in your, you know, quest box and you can read through them and all that and track them. But there's no, like, when you enter the world, there's no counter saying, like, there are 930 possible quests in Fallout 4 and you've activated yeah 800 of them yeah right it's just kind of nebulous you don't know you kind of have to scour the world to find everything mm-hmm. i'm not interested in that i'm not interested in scouring the world and looking under every stone i'm more interested in the game telling me here are the parameters yeah on which you can complete me and like the game is being transparent about that. there's a downside to that though sometimes that doesn't work um well, yeah do tell why well, well i so i encountered I, I had a session of final fantasy 16 i won't be i won't be spoiling anything um in this but i, I had a final uh, session of playing final fantasy 16 a couple nights ago and i finished a main quest or i was I, I loaded it up and i had just finished one of the main quests um and i'm i'm like you know in between main quests there's like side quests maybe like some things to buy things like that maybe some like animal hunts to do and um I there were like two side quests and I'm like, all right, I'll 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 knock those out because that's just I want to beat all the side quests in a Final Fantasy game. 
Yeah. And then I beat those two and then like more pumped. And I'm like, okay. And like, they're getting a little formulaic at the time. Like they're kind of just, some of them are great world builders. Some of them are pure time wasters. And some of them can also manage to be both, you know, like awful repetitive gameplay coupled with great world building. And then I've finished them and then more popped. And I'm like, what the hell? I just want to do the main story, but I like couldn't resist doing them because then I'm just going to have a backlog of side quests that I know I'm going to want to do. And so then I, I, so, you know, I did those and then I'm like, all right, finally time to do a main quest. And some of the main quests are broken up and there's like little, like, um, so you might be part of the main quest and then more side quests pop up within that. And I'm like, okay, this is just, (laughs) this is too much. And, but I'm still not allowing myself to progress the main quest until I do these side quests. Cause I, I want to avoid having them all get all backed up. And, and, yeah. and like, and you know, the game is just like, here is the side quest. This one, this one, this one, this one. Here they are on the map. You can find them easily. You know, it's, they're not very hard to do, but they take time. And it's very, very clearly delineated, you know, where to go and when, you know, but like, I'm still just kind of like, God, this is, <laughs> this is annoying. Are they, um, are and they, it's just kind of like, they're being like, hey, yep, fuck you. You want to play the game? Fuck you. Here's some <laughs> side quests. Are they time sensitive or can you come back to them at any time? Um, you don't know sometimes. I mean, I could look oh, that true. up, I suppose. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it for myself, but you know, sometimes, you know, especially in the Final Fantasy series, like, oh, actually, uh, you can't go do that thing anymore. Exactly. You go on to do, you got to do it on New Game Plus. Like, New Game Plus, buddy, I am not playing this game again. Now, <laughs> that's a good segue, actually, into another form of completionism of like, com- like the, the whole idea of like getting all the trophies or achievements. Who says achievements? No one plays Xbox. Uh, I guess I'll say achievements for like Steam players. Um, but getting all the trophies, because oftentimes it's like, okay, yeah, beat the game. Now beat the game again on hard mode, on new game plus, or do you know do this. Like, oh, you have to play the game again. Maybe three times, you know, maybe four. And I did that with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I beat the game and I was like, I'm going to play them this game. And yeah, I'm going to play this game on hard. And I'm going to do a lot of stuff that's super repetitive. Uh, I'm going to beat the game immediately after I just beat it again. And like, and I might have the opportunity with Final Fantasy 16. And I hate that I am tempted. That is the kind of completionist I am for certain games. I'm like, why am I so tempted to, to platinum this game? Well, and that's a good question because you platinum many games. Yes. And I guess my question to you being not a completionist would be, what is the kind of mental calculus in your mind over replaying Final Fantasy VII Remake to platinum it or playing a brand new game? Like, so, what, what is making you pick yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake? Sometimes I just quite literally put blinders up. And okay. I like, I like, I almost like force myself to not see the next game. Okay. Sometimes well, I have again, so much like, fun. Why? Like, why yeah. do you put the blinders up? Um, That's a good question. I would say generally the game has to have something gripping enough for me to want to revisit the game or I, or I won't do it. You know, yeah, I mean, even I love dark souls to death, but I didn't platinum that game right away. You know, I moved on yeah. to other ones. I wanted to play dark souls two and then bloodborne and all that kind of stuff. And, and I eventually came back and I platinumed all those from soft games. Uh, the only one I think I just platinum from start to finish. And I, it wasn't like me coming back to platinum it on other playthroughs was Elden ring. Yeah, you that, yeah, you burned your way through Elden Ring. But that is also but like one of the other factors is how easy does it seem to do? And I'll use platinum guides oftentimes. And I won't use them the first time because I don't want to spoil the game for myself. And those kind of right. guides will spoil that for you. And so I, it has to be a game where I can do a certain amount during the first playthrough, look at the platinum guide and see the things I missed and not have to do an absurd amount of replaying in order to do those things. And for Final Fantasy VII, it was like, you just really need to play the game one more time. So, so I was like, okay, that is reasonable because the game wasn't that long. You can skip cutscenes, right? You kind of just go through your head and like, how quickly can I do this? And how much fun will I have doing it? And ultimately, it weighed in favor of you will have enough fun to warrant doing it. And I was right in that case. Okay, I see. So that kind of answers another question I had, which was, what do you find to be the motivating factor? Is it like this checklist of plat, like these different trophies that you like feel a need to check off your list? 
or like the inherent fun you know you will have doing that so that's that's the fucked up part though is sometimes it's like the the pat myself on the back i did it like even if there's an absurd like final fantasy 7 the first the original final fantasy 7 when they put it on consoles they had it on ps4 i platinumed it one because it's one of my favorite games but I, I did stuff that was stupid. Like, Aaron, you have to get like a billion gil for like Why? one. And, and the only way to do that <laughs> is to have leveled up a ton of your materia. And I was already going to get like level up, level 99 with every character. That might have actually been another. Maybe I'm confusing that with Kingdom Hearts. I think Kingdom Hearts is in a, has, a, has a trophy for for getting level 99. But you have to power up a tons of materia and then just sell all of it. I mean, you can oh. just load your save file and so it won't count. That you actually right. sold everything. You can sell everything to you get the trophy. And you actually, you know, you'd be surprised how far short you actually might be from getting that trophy just by selling all your stuff through a regular playthrough. Like I had to level stuff up to sell it. I had to like go on a date with Barrett. So I had to, I, I started the game over and you I followed a guy yeah. to going on a date with Barrett. Granted, I used like three times speed and actually made it go pretty quickly. But in terms of like, was that, was it really that fun? I don't know. I was entertained by how quickly you can actually blow through the Midgar section on three times speed and by not grinding, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, that was kind of entertaining. But once I got out of Midgar, I was like, all right, geez, I got to just get this, get to get to a gold saucer as fast as possible. It's like it became a, it did become a burden and I still powered through it. And that was the last trophy I got. And then, and part of like and the other like, that's tied to like part of the motivation to platinum certain games are like, are they some of my favorite games? Now, there are games I've platinum where they're not some of my favorites, like Marvel Spider-Man and which is a great game, not one of my favorites and Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, my God. Which I got to tell you, that was a masochistic endeavor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but then there's like the FromSoft games like I love the from like the, the I love Souls like so much. I platinum. Demon Souls, Dark Souls, one through three, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Elden Ring. And I am happy to have done that. Like, I have zero regrets about that. And I would say for the majority of those experiences, it was an absolute blast because they were some of my favorite games of all time. Well, and I, I think part of why that might be, just because I've checked out some of the uh, like trophies to platinum those games, is, and this will kind of go into a little bit of what you were talking about with platinum Final Fantasy VII, in that and why I don't really tend to complete our platinum games is like, I think the way you platinum the FromSoft games, um, those trophies do a good job of like, basically when you platinum a FromSoft game based on the trophies that you're given, it's like, did you see and experience the whole game, right? Like, did you join every covenant? Did you gain every kind of magic from this type of magic? You know, did you see and fully experience? They guide you. They're not, they're not absurd. They're not like, fuck you do this crazy hard thing exactly and that's like one type of gaming completion and type of trophies but the other kind was what you were just describing which to me is like poison to trophies like that is get a billion gill right what what about getting a billion gill like helps you fully explore that world nothing or what what about that trophy is tied to anything besides just a ridiculously high number of something yeah it's it's kind of silly so that's why like I would be willing to complete certain games based on their completion criteria, but other games have trophies like the billion Gale where it's like, I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, they're, they, but they know that these, these people who create some of these trophies are, they know they're sickos out there like me. And sometimes there are just things that are just way too, <laughs> way too intense. Um, you know, to that, like, you know, here's, here's a, here's a kind of a, an interesting example. So I platinum hollow Knight, um, which that was pressure from Jason. Um, (laughs) but it was, you know, hollow Knight is one of my favorite games. And I, I saw what you needed to do to platinum that game. And I was like, no, thank you. I don't like boss boss rushes. No, thank you. But I played the game again, not intending to platinum it necessarily, but I was open to the possibility. And as I was playing the game for like the third time or like, Four, third and a half or like fourth time I was like okay I'm really into the gameplay this is really fun I love the, the combat I think the mechanics of the combat are some of the best in modern gaming especially in in, in Metroidvania 
um, games. I will give it a try. I'll 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 flirt with the with the boss rush. And I was fresh off beating the game, so I was really like pretty good at the game. And you know, it was a bit of a struggle because it's still a challenge. And I made it through uh, the first pantheon, the first boss rush. I'm like, all right, I'll do do the second one. And by that point, it had me. Um, even right. the one that was so absurd, and they're really, and the game is really good at guiding you, right? Because you do each of these pantheons, each of these these smaller boss rushes, and then they're like, okay, do it all in a row. And I thought just kind of as an outsider before I even attempted any of this, when Jason was telling me about what you need to do, I was like, that is insane. You have to be out of your mind to do it. But when you've just done all the others, you've done it all. You're used to fighting all these bosses already. You just need to do it for a long period of time in a row. So you know you can do it and you get breaks and you get to like replenish your health and stuff. And so they give it they, they give it to you in chunks so you can kind of t- get a taste at what you, the larger challenge but they make you feel like it's attainable. And right. some games well, are which, very I good mean, at guiding you towards trophies in that way. Well, and the thing is, it is ultimately attainable. You know, they're not asking you to do something that is truly impossible. I mean, it was um, it was one of, if not the hardest video game challenges I've ever completed. And I must say, regardless of whether or not there was a platinum involved as a, as a reward, I was I've, I have zero regrets now. But the, the interesting question is, if there was no trophy, would you have would, done it? Would I have done it? And I, my answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know. And that's not a no. It's really, truly, I'm, I'm being truly honest with you and myself. I don't know the answer. I think you, well, knowing you, I think you probably would have anyway for Jason. But without his influence, I, I'm not sure then. Without his influence um, and without a trophy, no, definitely not. I mean, his influence can't it can't be uh, overstated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and yeah, a lot of these games are you know, and sometimes and and maybe I don't know if you have another thing you want to mention about completionism, but this seems like a maybe possibly a good segue into to backlogging. Well, maybe not. <laughs> I'm not good at segues, but um, one of the thoughts about trying to figure out a game to play or like what kind of completionism is i mean it, like we were kind of saying is like how easy are the trophies though like sometimes if it's a game i know i'm gonna like or a game i'm replaying that has trophies that i like i played it once before in my life and now it's been put on playstation it has trophies all of a sudden i will maybe look at the trophies and i'll see like what it takes and if it seems attainable and it's a game i know i love and i know i'm gonna replay anyway like resident evil 4 i'm for the remake i'm like fuck yeah i'm gonna do that of course you know and other times I try to give myself a little bit of a break from that, right? Like all of these final, and it's actually, that's the fucked up thing is it's eating away at me. All these Final Fantasy Pixel remasters are pretty fucking easy to platinum. I didn't get any of them on PlayStation. And you better believe that when I'm playing them on Switch and beating them, beating all the super bosses and getting all the treasures and following these guides, I am like, I could be getting platinums in all of these right now. <laughs> if I was playing them on PlayStation, that thought is in my head every single but you, game. But essentially you are. It's just without the little right. know, PlayStation so, certified but, check next. But to I it. would say in overall, I I would say, because I'm not I'm not the, the total lunatic, I think it is a little bit of a nice relief from the from the platinum pressure <laughs> to be playing a game like that on Switch. I love some some of my friends think wholeheartedly like Dondo thinks that Nintendo should have trophies. I'm glad they don't. Yeah, I'm glad. My they don't. god, I'm glad they don't. I don't need that stress. <laughs> Can you imagine the trophies for Tears of the Kingdom on top of like what a big game it is? Well, I mean, it'd be like get all the Korok seeds and then the game we all know yeah. if you if you follow gaming media that the, the game basically just gives you a middle finger once you get them all. You know, yeah. at least you get a trophy, but like, God, no, I would never do that. I, I truly mean that. I wouldn't, I, I know my limits generally. I would not fucking do that. No. no. Yeah. Um, should we talk about backlogging? Yeah. Just really quick off the top. Uh, I know you may not have an answer prepared for this, but oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what is like the most grueling trophy you have gotten? Um, and what do, do you remember? Like some of the really easy, easy ones. Oh man, that's a great question. Um, well, I mean, some of the easy ones are just like the main game ones, and some of them are just like, hey, to me, beating like, oh, beat this, um, beat all like the side quests in a game is generally easy. Is it fun? Sometimes depends on the game. 
Um, I guess something that I'm kind of confused about is like, I don't really understand why games have trophies for all the stuff you do in the main game. Cause it's like, you're going to do that anyway. I would think the trophies would be for all the superfluous extra stuff. I mean, trophies you know, are, there's, I mean, they, I think it's how they guide you, right? Like you, you're getting these trophies and you beat the game playing it normally. And you realize, oh man, I got half the trophies just by playing the oh, game true, normally. True. I'm halfway there. You know, that's how they get you. Yeah, um, and, but like the hardest, sorry, when I'll say hardest, there's two different kinds of hard, I guess. Like, um, like there's hard in what I did for Hollow Knight, like gameplay wise. And then there is mind numbing. And even, and I'll say, even though I don't have no regrets doing um, Platinums for like Dark Souls games, Dark Souls like three, uh, and I actually caught maybe a couple of the others, maybe in the Dark Souls three, you have to like kill enemies and farm enemies to try to get a very specific item to boost your covenant strength yeah and my god was that just mind-numbing i mean yes i'm getting tons of experience by doing it and i found a way to get shitloads of it so i was able to level up and that that gave i had to do that because that gave me some sort of reward right like leveling up to your to your till you're like really powerful and have insane specs in dark souls games is really fun and so yeah. that's how i had i had to focus on that secondary goal to keep me grinding away over and over it felt like longer than it actually pr- probably was to complete that i mean i can imagine that in the entirety of kingdom hearts 3 and doing the frozen slide uh mini game over and over again and trying to <laughs> trying to beat, trying to like beat that 100 percent. that sounds like a particular kind of hell it, it, it that is what i imagine <laughs> hell is like is being forced to play kingdom hearts and platinum every single one of them but also you're getting stabbed with forks <laughs> um all right shall we jump into backlogging yeah let's do it all right um so what is a gaming backlog um (laughs) we're we're gonna define it we can kind of have a conversation about it but is there is it up for debate though i guess not i guess it's pretty clear okay i was wondering if you were gonna come to the table with a like a really uh different definition no (laughs) no but i just want to so that everyone's on the same page the listeners and us but what we mean is just any pool of games that for whatever reason you put down and you have it come back to, um, that's your backlog, right? Would you say that's the correct definition? Yes. This was a foreign, con- it really was a foreign concept to me. There was like backlog. Well, well, yeah, so yeah, there's, I guess you could think of it as like, is there a backlog of games you want to play in general or a backlog? Do you have to have bought the game already? Yeah, that's a good distinction. I think today we're talking about games that you have bought, that you own, that you've started playing and put down. Or maybe that you haven't even started playing yet, but that you bought and own and you've kind of put to the well, side. The reason I ask is because that, like, in one of those senses, you and I are a lot sim- more similar. In the other sense, you and I couldn't be more different. <laughs> that's a good point. In terms of, like, how many more games you must have on your backlog that you've downloaded and haven't played than me. Absolutely. So I will say... I would have thought our difference would have been so immense that it's not, that it's like me having one and you having God knows how many. <laughs> I I am ashamed to say, and this is not me passing judgment on you. I judge myself for this only. Uh, I tease you, but I don't judge you. Um, no, there are some people I judge who play and don't even finish games and have a shitload on their backlog. Um Sorry, that sounds like you also. <laughs> that's not what I meant. It is me also, but that's okay. Uh, I'm gonna just shut up uh, and just say <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that um, I have more on my backlog by that definition, downloaded and not played, than I am proud of uh, more than ever before. Uh, still, I guess you would say not that much, or maybe you specifically would say not that much compared to how many you probably have. But I am not proud of it. And it's a bummer. So it's a real bummer. We can ask, we can kind of ask each other, like, what makes you decide to put something on the backlog? What what makes you decide to say, like, okay, I need a break from this game for a minute, or not even a break. Like, I just need to be done with this, even though I'm not finished with the actual game. Um, hmm. I mean, it probably goes back to what we were saying earlier about like, why do you pick one game over another? And sometimes it's just kind of like a bipolar. Um nature of what game i'm in the mood to play you know like i i've i've been slowly making my way through dragon quest 8 i plowed through probably the first half of that game very quickly and then i put it down for tears of the kingdom and i've struggled to pick it up here and there for more than a couple hours at a time if even that 
And part of it is like, I'm not just not in the mood. I'm not in the mood for that type of gameplay. And I want to do something else. But that is what's really fucked up is when I'm like, well, actually, I didn't take my I, I forgot to take my 3DS when I went to my uh, to, to quarantine uh, when I had COVID <laughs> to quarantine for my wife. And uh, so I probably would have finished Dragon Quest eight if I had that during my quarantine. Um, <laughs> but then you wouldn't have finished Final Fantasy eight. Oh, I have no re- I have no regrets. I'm so happy about my choices. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's often I would say most often than not, it's because I'm being very picky and I am not in the mood for something. Well, I think you, I think really your answer touched upon kind of three different factors or a sale or if there's a sale and I'm like, I got to get that game. Uh, right. Like I got to get like Mega Man collection because it's like five dollars and like, I got to play it. I'm not going to play. I, mean, I, I play like a little bit of Mega Man four and then I'm like, nah, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I think you kind of like circled around three bigger ideas. So like, for example, Final Fantasy eight, you put down because Tears of the Kingdom came out. So one factor is like new other games come out, right? That distracts you and makes you want to put something down. Yeah. Um, the other thing too you were saying is you kind of got bored of it, meaning like you kind of got satiated with whatever gameplay style the game was presenting. Like yes. You just got you you got stuffed. You got full of it. You don't want it anymore. Yeah, and what was it was funny about that though sometimes is when that happens. That has happened to games that end up being some of my favorites. Like I think I might have mentioned before, maybe on our draft that Nier Autom- uh, Automata. I played it for about two hours. I'm like, I'm not in the mood anymore or not more like four hours. And then I picked it back up and I'm like, holy shit, this is one of my favorite games. Yeah. It's crazy how that can happen. I just wasn't in the mood for it. And then I picked it back. It's not that I was just never planning on finishing it. I was just like, eh, I want to play other things. And then I came back and holy shit. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it, it involves those factors as well. Um, for me, it is a lot of FOMO. Like, I'll be playing a game and, um, like, a game that I really like, that I'm really enjoying. So, like, say, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, right? I was playing that. I was really enjoying it. And then other games came out. And, like, Tears in the Kingdom, for example, came out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've since gone back and finished Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but I absolutely postponed it while I was jumping into Tears of the Kingdom. Much like Tears of the Kingdom uh, came out, another game came out that I wanted to try. So I put Tears of the Kingdom down. Um, So... For me, it's like a new game is coming out, something new and shiny, and I want to check it out. And so I'll put a game down. Um, But I think I do eventually like circle back around to. um, (laughs) Sounds weird, but like the games I do find really important personally, I do circle back around and finish them. So like Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I did finish recently, but that was a combination of one. I was really hooked into the story and the gameplay. But two, I I finished Xenoblade Chronicles one and two, and three is kind of like this capper in a way. Um, and so it was like personally important to me that I finish it for that reason. So there, there, I guess now that I'm talking about it out loud, there has to be like an X factor that makes me, you know, like in this case, Xenoblade Chronicles three, like capping the trilogy. There usually has to be some kind of like X factor to make me want to come back to my backlog games and finish them or just re-engage with them. Do you ever mm-hmm. find that? Yes, definitely. And I feel um, I feel like you might experience that more than me. That's not a dig. That's just like that's kind of, like I feel like you probably experience that a lot. Also too, something that, you know, we were talking about with completionism is I'm not a completionist, but there's lots of games that have way more to do than you really ever could in like one game, right? So like yeah. in Final Fantasy X, you could play game play Final Fantasy X, the game itself, blah blah blah. You could also spend hours and hours and hours and hours doing Blitzball if you really wanted to, right? Like, there's way yeah. more Blitz, there's way more Blitzball content in that game. I mean, than... if you're a total psychopath, yeah, of course, exactly. So I think one of the reasons that <laughs> exactly you're a psychopath. Um, I think one of the reasons I didn't I do that. Done... No, I didn't. Thankfully. I didn't. I didn't do it. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> no. But one of the reasons that I also think I put down games is because in the back of my mind, I think. I can forgive myself because I'm like, oh, well, I'm putting Final Fantasy X down, but there's so much content in it that I'm going to come back someday and there's still so much for me to do. Even if that content is like the Blitzball content, which in my head I know for a fact I'm never actually going to do. But in that situation, when you say someday, what do you mean? Do you think like, oh, I might pick this up in a year? Because I can't I can't see that far in the future. And actually, I just assume that if I'm not playing this again in six months, I might never play it again. I actually, I actually thought I would never pick up Final Fantasy VIII ever again. 
And then suddenly it just hit me. I finished Final Fantasy 2 and I'm like, why don't I just beat it? But part of that, what here, all right, here's a completion. Here's a tie to completionism, though, Aaron. Go for it. This was part of my thought process. I beat two. All that remained of the first 10 Final Fantasy games that I had not played and beaten were eight and five and one. And I knew I was going to play one and I knew I was going to play five. And so that would have only left eight. So now, now, I, now I had to do it. Yeah, that was that was seriously a major factor. Yeah, there has to be like for me, like something like that, like something a little extra. Um, like Tears of the Kingdom, I put down. I will, I absolutely will come back to beat it because it's a fucking Zelda game. Um, and I have beaten every other Zelda game, well, most of them, the majority of them, and I will beat this one. It's just reality. Also, now that I say it out loud, if it becomes feasible, like I don't know that I'm going to be able to get my hands on Spirit Tracks. But if they do a remaster of Spirit Tracks, I'm going to play it and beat it because it's a Zelda game and because I played and beaten most of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we start talking about our specific backlogs? Yeah. Um, surprisingly, I, I actually I didn't do a complete inventory. I can just talk about oh, the ones I'm most I, ashamed of. I mean, I I'm like, sure you I, didn't either. I did top three because <laughs> my list would be like 70 games. Long. And by top three, you mean top three, like the ones that are bothering you the most that you haven't yes. played? Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah, let's hear them. Um, so my first one is I've mentioned several times Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I put it down for other games, Pikmin 4, Illusion Island, other things. Um, but it's it's the new Zelda, and so many other people I know have beaten it, and you know are obviously loving it. Um, so I feel like almost a sense of guilt, like I'm like because you know you and Dondo and like everyone has already finished that game, and I feel almost this sense of like betrayal that I haven't yet joined the club and defeated you know Ganon with you guys. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel that? Do you feel like almost like in that sense, like you also are left out of the club because you haven't beaten the game? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But but it, but well, yeah, I say that, but it's not it's not so incredibly strong. It depends on the game. Zelda, absolutely. Final Fantasy 16, even though I ended up thinking I was gonna put I was not gonna play that right away and I was gonna wait a while. I I I, I didn't feel the peer pressure, but I did kind of like want to I don't know. I don't know. I think I think like the world seemed like it was like so they were all saying it was a great game. Not just my friends. I mean, I, I it, it wasn't really the friend pressure. And I'm glad I did it, but like it, I could have waited. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Final Fantasy, uh, on my backlog, Final Fantasy 15. Uh, it's the only one that's not 11 oh, yeah? or 14. I played 14, but I, I haven't played, played it, and I don't know if I want to. But now that I'm playing, you know, now that I've almost beaten one through ten, I'm kind of like, should I play? 13 and 15 i haven't played either there will be an eventual 13 remaster i assume for switch which i will eagerly play again i'm a, i'm an apologist for the 13 series i like final fantasy 13 um but 15 is really the only main one that i haven't beaten and so to me it's this like glaring oversight and i've tried i've tried multiple times to get into it and something about the game just like rebuffs me and i've made it more than halfway through like i've made it i think two-thirds of the way through the game and then just kind of stopped because I'm like, ah, like other things are coming out. I'm kind of getting bored of this. Like the the actual gameplay is extremely repetitive. The story is not keeping me hooked. But at the same time, again, like it's Final Fantasy. And, yeah. you know, I've beaten so many of the other ones. Like, I just feel like I have to beat this one. And I've since read that it's kind of one of the middling Final Fantasies. Like people aren't people don't think 15 is the worst, mm -hmm. but it's definitely not listed as one of the best. It's like kind of in that mid range. So I'm like not super motivated to do it, but I know that eventually I'm going to have to. Yeah. 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 My. Um, have... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I have two more. Well, I have like one more and then an honorable mention. Oh, yeah. I, I, I will... Actually, it's better if you just do them all and then I'll uh, talk about mine. Yeah. So my uh, my last one, um, if you've been a listener to the podcast, you know that I am a fan of our beloved Sonic the Hedgehog. Really? Um, yeah. Me? Who? Um. I got Sonic Frontiers for PS4 when it came out. I played the shit out of it for like 20 hours, something like that. Um, beat like the first three or four islands. Loved it. And I've since put it down. And again, this feels like a betrayal because my beloved Blue Hedgehog, I beat all the Sonic games, no matter how bad they are. Um, and I haven't yet beaten this one, even though it's not bad. It's actually pretty good. 
So okay. I will go back to Sonic Frontiers. Um, but it feels like an oversight because of my love for Sonic. Um, and then my my honorable mention is um, I just have a really hard time um, coming back to games that I am replaying. I like to replay games. Oh, I get really I, to replay that happens games. to me too. I almost don't count that. That doesn't bother me as much psychologically. It doesn't bother me either, but I do it very frequently. Like I'll want to replay a game and get really into it. And I'll like dive into it for like the first 10, 15 hours. And then I put it down because it's like, well, I've already played this game before. I already did this. A new game's coming out. Yeah. And then it, it takes a lot for me to kind of uh, put myself once again in the shoes of feeling really excited to want to play that game. Okay. Yeah. So that's like my honorable mention. Any replayed games I kind of have trouble with. Okay. Um, what are some of yours? Um. So there's different factors that go into these. The first one I'll mention is Doom Eternal. Um. Oh, that okay. is primarily because I don't want to feel like I wasted my money. Um, and obviously that can often be a factor. Sometimes you pick up cheap games and you're like, it's just sitting there. Why don't I just play it? Other times you're like, I paid $60 for this. I was in like a mo moment where I'm like, I'm really in the mood to try something new. Like I, I haven't played a game like Doom Eternal in a long time. I wasn't never like super into them. I remember like liking like the original Quake, the original Doom, but like that's not my style of game. But you know, some people that I know or know of highly recommended it. And I'm like, okay, this is a great, you know, a very highly recommended. People love it. And I got to give this a try. And I started it and I thought it was fun, but it just wasn't, it wasn't hooking me. It just wasn't. And I put it down like almost immediately. Um, well, I, I, and I think what, what you're, what you're talking about kind of uh, feeds into something that I wanted to bring up earlier, but it's almost like sometimes when you try and force it, it doesn't work. And it sounded like you were trying to like force it with doom eternal. Yeah. Like those kinds of games <clears throat> on your backlog, I feel like sometimes they have to find you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope it does, but like, man, it's been like years now. And so that, that, that bothers me. Um, the other, I'll just say it is like a grouping is I, I bought like a pack, like I think two of the Yakuza games, the first one and Yakuza Zero, the prequel. Both I've heard are really great. I hear Yakuza Zero is even better. Um, I have regrets for different reasons. Like one, I think Yakuza Zero is the one I'll like more, but I wanted to play Yakuza 1 first, even though Yakuza Zero is the prequel. And the reason I wanted to play Yakuza 1 first is because it's the older game. It's not going to be as polished and as great. And so I don't want to play that one second. I want to play it first so I can appreciate Yakuza Zero more. It would be but, like playing Resident Evil Zero mm -hmm. before Resident Evil 1. Yeah, but yeah. before I... Like, like when I started it, I wasn't in the gameplay. It's a brawler, but like there's just and it's, it's like kind of like run from this location to this location in like beautiful Tokyo. Like I love the beautiful Tokyo parts, but you can't don't have free roam. It's not like Grand Theft Auto Tokyo. I wish it was. Um, and it's funny. Like the dialogue is funny, and like the, the it's like it's very over the top in a way that I find very amusing. But the if you're gonna and there's a lot of story there's a lot of cutscenes so if you're not gonna have a lot of story and a lot of cutscenes I want the gameplay in between to be super engaging and it's not and so I'm struggling and I know that there will be parts in the game I hear there's a lot of like crazy mini games you can do you can go bowling you can do karaoke you know it's like it, 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 like you can do like slot car racing like it sounds like a blast and there's like absurd hilarious side quests that I've like seen examples of where I'm like that really tickles me but I just couldn't find myself to go back to it. And like, I, I keep looking at it every once in a while. I'm like, I should, should I play Yakuza zero. Um, Cause I know I'll like it more, but like, I can't find my bring myself to do it either. Fortunately, I didn't spend full price on those games. I bought them for like $5 each. So it's not like totally killing me, but I still, you know, I, I want, it's like one of those things where I want to like it more than I think I might actually. Well, the way you describe the game is kind of a brawler um, with like an engaging story um, and set in, you know, a Japanese setting. It made me think of um, Persona 5 Rumble. Did you ever finish that? Uh, you mean um, Strikers? Um, Strikers. That's what yes, I, I did. Strikers. You I did. did. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because I, did. I know you were struggling to finish that. I was. Well. And that was par partly because I, I think I'm not in that type of game generally, even though it's different than some of the other like Dynasty Warrior types. Like, I'll never play Hyrule Warriors. That would never finish that game. 
ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, never, ever, ever would not be worth me getting. Um, and I'm glad I, I feel very good about myself when I'm able to pinpoint that out immediately and just know like, don't, don't even, don't even buddy. You're not going to play that game. Don't go down. That the road. worst times are when I think that and that's what my gut says. And I still buy it. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about game dread. Part of the game dread is like, I buy a game and I know I, or I have a suspicion I might not like it, which is only something I ever encountered as an adult. I have to say, um, I would say within the last, like maybe five, six, seven years, I feel like demos are becoming more and more of a thing. I never play demos, especially for Nintendo. I feel like Nintendo does a good job of releasing a lot of demos. It's smart. It's smart. It is smart because you get a chance to actually engage with the game and decide like, Hey, this is for me or no, this isn't. Yeah. Right. Um, like mm. for example, I download the Pikmin three demo because I'm like four was coming out, and I'm like, well, maybe I can get three on the cheap and just give the series a try. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really care for the three demo, but all the reviews I was reading of four was saying that it was different and that it was really good and that it was better than three. So I picked up four and I loved it, and I'm still playing it now. Um, but had I not played the demo of three, I probably would have bought three, not loved it, put it on the backlog, and never checked out four. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I have is Dead Cells. Uh, a game that I picked up at your recommendation. I like roguelike games. It's very often highly, highly, highly rated as like one of people's favorite roguelikes in like the modern era. Um, and I just couldn't get into it right away. Uh, I don't think I was really, it's, it's, which is crazy to me because it's got a very Castlevania like feeling, um, which is also, they have like a Castlevania like crossover uh, kind of like DLC or whatever that is. Um and it has the roguelike element, which is it's checking a lot of my boxes. But for some reason, I just wasn't super engaged by the visuals and the gameplay. Um, and I put it down for a, like a year or more. I picked it back up. I chipped away from another couple hours and I put it down again. And I'm worried I might never play it. And um, I might try to give it a couple more tries, but I'm just not sure I'll really get my money's worth from it. So when you say you're worried, like what is worrying you? What is like giving you anxiety about it? Is it the fact that you spent money on it and you're not playing it? Yeah, the fact that that's a big one. And a lot of it is just kind of like I've heard just so many people I know like this game. Um, That's so many people I know. A lot of people in general like this game. Um, And. And and oftentimes it's people that I feel like I align with often in, in gaming in certain like areas of gaming taste. And so I'm like, why don't I like it as much? And I want to I want to discover it. I'm like, oh, I just I just haven't. It's one of those things like it's almost like that that near automata experience. It's like, oh, I just haven't gotten to the part that fully hooks me yet. Or like, I'm just not in the right mood yet. I'll get in the right mood another time. And then that day oh. doesn't come. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that day will never come. Um, because like at the end of the day, there are just certain games that you're not going to gel with, whether you spent the money on them or not. Yeah. 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 Um, Um, I'm just trying to think of it in terms of like non-gaming things and like, like think about a certain dish, right? Like I don't like tuna and they say, you know, if you eat something eight times, you'll, you'll wind up liking it. Or maybe you haven't had it in the right dish, or maybe you're just not in the mood for it, or maybe you need to have it in this setting. And it's like, at the end of the day, maybe I just don't like tuna and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to relieve you of the crippling anxiety. I think I, you sometimes feel. I appreciate that. You're a very good yeah. friend. Yeah. That. Um, so what kind of, what future games uh, are we looking forward to? Not as a general matter, but that we know with, with or suspect dread. that we are going to likely backlog. Yeah. What, what, yeah. The dread. That's, that's a great, uh, I can give you an example of, uh, two that I dread and then one that stands in sharp contrast to it that I will happily put down whatever I'm doing, plow through it and never feel any anxiety whatsoever. Please do tell. Um, the the game that I would pick up in a heartbeat and never have any, any anxiety about it all is the Hollow Knight sequel, Silk Song. Wow, yes. Can't yes. wait for that. Crippling dread, Aaron, for Final oh. Fantasy VII Rebirth. Especially because this is when it gets out of Midgar and this is when it becomes fully open world. I don't know how they're going to do that in this. I don't know if it's going to be slightly. um, I don't think they have, 
but there is a you know how like 12 is yeah there's a central like area interconnected it's big and interconnected but it's very big sometimes there are like a lot of like wait you know and there's warp points you can so kind of once you like find the warp you can kind of like warp to that and then you can explore that big area but you don't have it's not like it's open world but it's not it's in you know what i mean yeah. um 16 is like that a lot i have a feeling that that could be how they do rebirth but i'm not sure it seems like it would be i mean the game is supposed supposedly huge two discs huge two ps5, PS5. Discs. Yeah. yeah like so i don't know what that says i don't know when it's going to end um you know I, I think they're doing it in three parts i forget but either way just it's going to be a huge game crippling dread and also i was talking to dondo about this just the other night i think midgar is the best part of the game i think midgar is the, the stuff that happens in midgar is some of the best parts of final fantasy 7 some of some of a yeah. large portion of what I think my favorite parts of like in terms of a location without a doubt, Midgar is the best location in the game. I think. Agree to disagree, but okay. I mean, okay. it's a, it's a strong location for sure. Okay. So right. yeah. Um, yeah. Th- those are, yeah, that's definitely very dread inducing. Um, a lot of my dread mm-hmm. comes from the day where I eventually get a PS five. Um, there are many PS5 games that I have yet to play. Fair. One that I that I cannot wait to dive into that will be my day one purchase is Demon Souls. Demon Souls will occupy my full heart and mind, and Good. I am not dreading that. Um, the one PS5 game I am dreading, besides Final Fantasy 16, um, which yes, for all the reasons that we've been talking about, the other game that I'm really, really, really dreading for multiple reasons is um, the Hogwarts Legacy game for PS5. Oh my, just don't fucking play that. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. It, it's dread for many reasons. Obviously, like the political implications and the like, just all of that, like baggage that goes with the game and like, what is your political stance by buying it and like engaging with it? And it's like, like that in and of itself is a quagmire. Then the actual game itself is very open world and there's like a million things to do and it's going to be like a fallout, right? It's an open world game. You, They're not going to tell you like, hey, there's 920 quests and you've only found 800 of them. You're just going to have to kind of scour the world. It's the kind of game that I will pick up, probably love for the first 15 to 20 hours and then put down. So I'm, yeah, okay. for that reason, I'm dreading Hogwarts last. Gotcha. I, um, I think I'm also dreading Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I could see that. But then again, if you platinum one, two will definitely be bigger in probably I won't, every I'll way. be tempted to platinum it, but I, I'm I'm telling myself right now that I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, I haven't really seen much about two, except that Venom's in it. Um, I assume that they're just like maxing everything out because it's on the PS5. I, I assume it's going to be fucking enormous. Probably. <laughs> it yeah. certainly seems that way. Um, so yeah, Hogwarts Legacy is my like I has a pit of dread burning in my stomach right now. I, let me try to like help relieve you of that. Okay. Of that in particular. Fuck Harry Potter. Fair enough. Just you forget know about I, Harry Potter. I know, I know. Like as a society, we kind of all should just forget about Harry Potter. There's such better media and there's better children's media. Like we don't need him. And I and I just focus on the do what I do. I sometimes do actually do this without spoiling things for myself. I'll look up criticisms of games to see if any of them kind of like jibe with things I don't like. Like I like read, I mean, I was never really entertaining Hogwarts legacy, but I read like some high level review that was like repetitive side quests. And I was like, Nope, got put, I got enough of that in my life going on. No, thank you. You know what else I might do? That's kind of a silver bullet for every game and or movie and or TV show that like I agonize about spending the time to see or play um but then decide against it i could also just read the plot on wikipedia and then never feel the need to play the game like ever if i just read the entire plot and ruin it for myself then i just don't play the game i have done that before and i've done that with games i've done that with movies i've, I've, done, do- that with TV I've, shows. I've done that with movies yeah because it's like am i really gonna see this i kind of want to know what happens one of I'm not devoting the two hours to one it. of my law lo- and it's i guess this doesn't totally make me not want to see the movie but one of like i feel like everyone's got like a movie that they just aren't they just aren't seeing they won't see it even though it's, it's a classic it's one that a lot of people have seen in a lot of different circles across many different generations some older movies i guess i'm talking about an older movie in this particular sense like one like critically acclaimed like so-called masterpiece that I just refused to see and then I looked up the summary for was Raging Bull. 
Martin Scorsese's movie. Okay. I just don't care. And so I just ruined it for myself. Um, I um, did that with uh, with The Departed because the other thing that if you want if you want to kill my enthusiasm over any kind of media, get a bunch of people telling me I should engage in it, and you like nothing could kill my enthusiasm more. So when The Departed came out, everyone was telling me, "Well, you have to see The Departed. You just you have to." And so in my contrarian brain, my re- immediate response was like, "Fuck you! I'm not seeing that movie. I'm going to go to my grave without seeing The Departed." Still haven't read the Wikipedia synopsis. I'm going to die without ever seeing The Departed. See, and then it's funny. And, and I, I find the conversation, this is a separate conversation. Like, if so, like, it's funny to have that movie that other people, that drives other people crazy that you haven't seen yet. Like, I must admit, you triggered me just a little bit because I fucking love The Departed. Everyone does. <clears throat> and but, they, but here's the thing, Aaron. Like, it is not a perfect movie. Nowhere close. It is just so much fun. I'm not telling you need to watch it because it's Martin Scorsese's masterpiece. I'm I'm telling you to watch it because it is so much fun and it is so rewatchable. I have seen it tens of times. <laughs> well, I can't say hundreds. It sounds so weak when I say tens, but that's still a lot. I've probably seen it at least 50 times. For a times. movie, tens of times is yeah. a lot. I have um, I, I would rewatch it. I would just put it on as background noise sometimes when I was studying in college because I love just listening to some of the dialogue. It's it's a blast. And and I again I'm not I'm not coming at you from like a critic's perspective like it's a masterpiece like you have to you know um you know it, it's it, to me it's like if a horror movie fan refuses to watch Hereditary is Hereditary one of the objective best horror movies of all time I don't know well yeah <laughs> okay it is yeah. um okay maybe bad analogy but you know what I mean like horror movie fan won't watch uh Hereditary kind of would like drive you crazy a little bit it would drive me crazy someone yeah. who i know like let's just have a good fucking time at the movies and just turn off their brain you can do that with the departed you don't even have to follow the plot that much it's just fun see now you're giving me a much better pitch than anyone through all the years has ever given me i had a feeling just the fact that you came out so strong against the departed I'm like you're talking to the wrong people the pitch because the pitch that i frequently got was like well it's a masterpiece you have to see it um, which is not the pitch I wanted to hear. The pitch you gave, like, it's a lot of fun. You don't even necessarily have to be paying attention. It's just a fun movie-going experience, and it's rewatchable. Like, those are things that I have never heard about that. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that there's rats. There's a lot of rats. Nope. Not really. <laughs> Who could be the rat? I, are the you rat? are you sure that you like someone wasn't telling you about Willard? No, actually, they were telling me about the new Batman movie that sucks. Get the fuck out of here. This is not the time or place to do this. <laughs> Don't be a Grinch. <laughs>